Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Where have you been, though? I have things to tell you. Oh, my God. I feel like I've been all over the place. But have you been to a red carpet event today like moi? While you're wearing your little derby hat? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm so fancy. Speaking of, I walked on a red carpet today. Not at derby, though. At my local Kroger. Does your does your grocery store have red carpet events, or are you just normal? H-E-B you know, slacking. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps, from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. I walked into the grocery store. That's our local Kroger is where they prepare the garlands. They do the garland of lilies for the racehorse that wins the oaks, which was today. And then today, they make the whole garland of roses at the Kroger. Like, the Kroger florist makes the garland of roses that goes to the Kentucky Derby and goes over the winning horse. Like, at my Kroger that I shop at every week. They get those flowers from Kroger? Yeah. <laughs> what? I was, And you stand in line, you walk down this red carpet, and you, like, watch them make it. <gasps> it's very fun. I've enjoyed it. But all I can think about is my local Kroger is, like, a 25-minute drive to the Derby. Like, to Churchill Downs. There's a Kroger down the street from Churchill Downs. So I'm like, it's like the wedding cake in the back of the truck, you know? Like, I am stressed the entire time. I can't figure out why they're commuting. But I did feel very... I was going to get salad ingredients for tonight's dinner. Uh And then I was like, oh. So I just popped along a little red carpet, FaceTime my mom, which is the second thing we need to talk about. How did that go? Yeah. Well, I FaceTimed her at the Kroger... She's never not answered a FaceTime. And yeah, Louise, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. You're my business. (laughs) She never answers a FaceTime not yelling. She like doesn't just answer and then wait. So I immediately, people won't be able to see. But the second it says connect you on the FaceTime, I put my finger over my mouth and do like the quiet. She'll just start yelling. She doesn't have any concept of like, oh, baby. I mean, just, you know, and I'm like, no, we're in the Kroger. You know, <laughs> were you FaceTiming her to show for to show her the roses? Yes, I knew she would really want to see it. She's very like, you know, listen. She, you think she's pulling up to the rodeo in a limo? Can you imagine? The oh, derby? her at the derby. I can just imagine the hat she would wear. I know. Which the whole time I was at the derby, all I was doing was comparing it obviously silently in my head to the rodeo you think she would have like she would have like little horses on the brim of the hat you know yes she'd have like a full-on like diorama up there (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and great now she'll hear you say this because guess what it's the ending of an era 
Louise has finally figured out that we are not actually on the radio and that she can tune in whenever she would like. So welcome. Someone's responsible for that. Who is? (laughs) Who Who did this to us? Who told her? Who? Who showed her how to use that Apple podcast? It's a peep and creep. It's someone on here was like, you know what? I'm gonna let her know. And she promptly texted me and said, don't be talking about my business. And I let her know, you are my business. This whole thing is my business. If you don't want us to talk about you, stop being so entertaining. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to have a whole episode. Stop taking limos to the rodeo and then bussing it home. I know. Wait, didn't you get to go to the Derby? Not the Derby Derby, but you went to the Thurby Derby Derby. Yes, the Thurby. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yes, the Thursday before Derby is called Thurby. Uh-huh. Very fun. It was a great time. I definitely overindulged a little bit. There was a ton of free food, free booze, every bourbon situation you could think of out there. They are sponsored by all of the, you know, all the big distilleries down here. So your girl was living. So fun. It was. You so know fun. what else is fun? We what? also are sponsored. <laughs> Well, yes, uh, by a more healthier option, I would say. <laughs> you tell the people. We have a healthier sponsor than the Kentucky Derby, and that is <laughs> Athletic Greens. Tell the people what Athletic Greens is, MoGab. Athletic Greens is a supplement you can add to your water, and with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Adaptogens. <laughs> I could use some of that, though, honestly. I'm the least adaptable. Yeah, sounds good for you. (laughs) To help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients. Supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of the things. I am a nervous system. Your whole system is just nervous. <laughs> I know. We need, I, need, I need all that. I need more energy. I need better focus. I mean, we are both aging. At a rapid pace. I have been looking for small, healthy changes I can start making throughout my day to just feel better. And Athletic Greens is exactly what I've been looking for. A small habit with big benefits. It's one thing I can do every day to take care of myself. And Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues. He ended up on a complicated supplement routine, and to recover, it cost him $100 a day. Too much. Yeah. So he created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on its own. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and now is the perfect time to try it out because Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's athleticgreens.com slash E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. Yay! Okay, Mogab. I got Quinch. a good one for you today. Oh, she came up with a new this new word. <laughs> Ew, I hate saying that. No, it's not a new word. <laughs> it's not a new word. It's a new terrible word. This when is I not t- gonna be this is not gonna be our running thing where every week we're like, what's the new terrible word that you noticed this week? <laughs> I know. No, it's not. But I really thought that Instagram 
little story was just going to like leave my brain. For sure. And then we went to a new coffee shop that opened down the street and it has the equivalent of, you know, Starbucks has a refreshers. This is their equivalent. I don't drink coffee. Oh, I was really excited right. to order uh-huh. it. And I got up to the window and I was like, I cannot say that word. Is it called a thirst quencher? It's just called a <laughs> I can't even say it. It's just called a quencher. Luckily oh. not a thirst quencher. I don't but know. I, I, I think said, thirst quencher might be better, but it's can I get a quencher? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> okay. I said thirst quencher, and Russell immediately goes, That's so dairy queen. Like he said that. Like oh. it's just a very dairy queen word because dairy queen calls their meals hunger busters. Did you know that? They call them hunger. So he's no. like, Yeah, I'll take a hunger buster and a thirst quencher. And I was laughing so hard my eyes were like watering did this coffee shop had this had, did their did their bathroom sign just say commode on the front <laughs> in belcher town whoever posted oh, that yeah, belcher town <laughs> yeah, i would move immediately I would move. well i'll let us get on track but i am gonna save because i know why the people really are here and it's not for what you think oh. i do have a story for next time as well about my post office experience oh yeah you know <laughs> Our segment of the podcast, MoGab's <laughs> Post Office Journeys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come back next week. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine. But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. 
If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot creepers. So sorry to say, this is going to be a two-parter. Oh, God, you are the worst. I know. You know, I'm just going to be honest. This time of year is so busy with, you know, the end of year stuff going on at work and my birthday and Mother's Day and and your birthday and everything happening right now. And we have been doing some really long episodes and it is tough, especially this time of year. I have so much going on right now, so... Executive decision, we're splitting this one in two. If you like to hear the second part right now, go ahead and join that Patreon. It's going to be available to Patreon members a week early over there at the $5 level and above. So head over to patreon.com slash true crime creepers and you can read about all the different tiers and sign up. This episode will be there right now. Right now, you can listen to this part two of this story. All right, let's get into this story. This story actually came from a recommendation in our Facebook group, again, a million years ago. This I actually started working on this case like last summer and never ended up finishing it. So a big thank you to Dila for recommending this case to me. Also, a big thank you to an episode of 2020 that covered this case. The episode was called Hell in Heels. Oh, yes. Okay. It was September 2001, and ads for Larry McNabney's personal injury law firm in Sacramento were running constantly. You know the ads. If you've been hurt in an accident, call me, Jimmy the Shark, or whatever ridiculous (laughs) name they've given themselves, you know? The Texas Longhawk! (laughs) Jim Adler, the tough, smart lawyer. Lawyer. The Texas Hammer. (laughs) We've got the Lawhawk. We've got Jim Adler. But in Reno, Nevada, and then later in Las Vegas, Nevada, and then Sacramento, California, they had Larry McNabney. And Larry's ads showed him riding his horse around the desert, wearing his cowboy hat. So people started calling him the Marlboro Man. And he always ended the ads with the same sign-off. I'm Larry McNabney. Call me. Oh, that's catchy, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Only... People had been trying to call him, and no one had been able to speak to him for months. They might be able to get a hold of his wife and office manager, Elisa McNamney, or the office assistants, Ginger Miller and Sarah Dutra, but they would always just say that Larry was in rehab for his alcoholism or on vacation at a spa. Wait, what? Like, he just, not like he's in trial? (laughs) Right, no, yeah, no, he's just not there. Larry actually kind of had a tendency to disappear for weeks at a time. But after several months went by and Larry still hadn't returned to his law office, his friends and family really started to worry. They realized that the last time anyone had actually seen him was while he was in Southern California for a horse show. But no one that was there could remember the details of their last encounter with Larry because that horse show had been on September 11th, 2001 the day the World Trade Center was attacked in New York. 
everyone was so focused on the news and it was such a chaotic and confusing time that no one could remember the details of that day, which made investigating his disappearance really tough. Because the truth is, Larry McNabney wasn't in rehab and he wasn't on vacation or at a spa. Larry was dead. And the story I'm telling you today is the murder of Larry McNabney. And looking into all those suspicious people that are saying he's somewhere else, those three women, that's what it sounds like. (laughs) The story starts in Reno, Nevada, the biggest little city in the world. What really put Reno on the map was it became basically the quickie divorce capital of the country. Nevada has really short windows for residency, so people would move out to Reno, they'd establish residency in six weeks, and then they'd be able to get their divorce. (laughs) These divorce ranches started popping up where people could go stay there until their residency had been established and get their divorce. And then they had a tradition where you'd walk to this bridge and you'd throw your ring in the river and you'd go celebrate. Wait, (laughs) what? That's how Reno like became Reno. Well, let me tell you, I've been there. And (laughs) first of all, to my patrons that are there, we love you. We have some loyal patrons shouts oh. to my dg sis but i went there once <laughs> and i left having to get flesh eating bacteria infection removed out of my leg okay oh, geez. so yeah remember yes but i i, yeah. I forgot that was reno Ooh. yeah i was staying at a did you get in that river <laughs> <laughs> no i was in a hotel so there's that i thought you could only get that kind of stuff in water I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Reno, answer for your crimes. (laughs) Yeah, listen. (laughs) Lawrence Larry McNabney grew up in Reno. He graduated from Reno High School, and then he went to college at the University of Nevada, Reno. Go Wolfpack. Is that what they are? Yeah. Oh. By the time he graduated college, he'd already been married and divorced. He'd married his high school sweetheart, a woman named Donna, right after they graduated in 1967. And they had a daughter named Kristen, because they have excellent taste in names. With an I or an E. It's with an I, but it's with a C. (laughs) Ew. But not a C-H, a C-R. I kind of like it. It's nice. Okay. The marriage only lasted three years. Larry went to law school at the University of Pacific McGeorge School of Law in Sacramento, California. And graduated at the top of his class. He took the bar exam in both California and Nevada, so he was licensed to practice law in both states. But the first job he took was working as a public defender in Nevada. Nevada? Nevada. How do you say Mm, it? They have strong opinions about that. Actually, (sighs) Shania texted me about that and said, tell Kristen, and I don't have the text anymore, but she sent me an audio recording of it. (sighs) Well, I I think it's Nevada. Nevada? I'm just going to say it both ways. Nevada, Nevada. (laughs) Hey, but leave all that in there and then we'll get the real answer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Larry was really good. He had the charisma of a great lawyer and was just an incredibly likable guy. Everyone loved him. His friends said that you just couldn't be around Larry and not laugh and smile. He was the guy who'd take his friends to lunch and tell them that their money was no good there. And you can't put a price on a good time. Other attorneys said that Larry on his worst day was better than any other trial attorney on their best day. He really started to make a name for himself when he defended criminals in two of Nevada, Nevada's most infamous cases. 
a bombing extortion plot at Harvey's Hotel and Casino in 1982, where Larry was part of a team that represented a man who'd gambled all of his money away at the casino in Lake Tahoe. And so he planted a bomb at the hotel and then told the hotel that if they gave him back all his money, he'd disable the bomb. Well, he went to try and disarm the bomb and he accidentally set the bomb off. Oh, it was real. Yeah, it was real. And luckily, there were no injuries, but it did cause $12 million in damages. And the hotel had to close for almost a year. So he didn't get reimbursed then. I don't think he got his money back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A few years later, Larry was federally appointed to be one of 10 defense attorneys tasked with defending the 12 people that ran an interstate drug cartel. The trial lasted over 16 months. It was the longest federal drug trial in U.S. history at the time. But this trial was really grueling for Larry. It just wore him out. His friends say he got really depressed during this time. He even told people he was considering suicide. (gasps) Lawrence. I know. When the trial was finally over, he quit practicing law for about three years. During this time, like during that trial, Larry also managed to get married and divorced a couple of times. A couple of times? Uh, Yeah, I think twice. His friends said that Larry had great relationships with women until he married them. (laughs) His second wife had a five-year-old daughter that he adopted named Tavia, and they had another child together, a son named Joe. His divorce with his third wife got pretty ugly, mostly over divided assets. This was a two-year marriage with no kids and a three-year divorce that went all the way to the Nevada, Nevada Supreme Court. Uh Larry's daughter, Tavia, said that her dad was a great dad, very loving and attentive, but probably not that great of a husband. And that was probably because Larry had demons. He was an alcoholic who, like I said earlier, tended to disappear periodically for days or even weeks at a time. His business partners would be able to cover for him. And Larry was so good at what he did that they didn't mind doing it. But people said that he could be mentally abusive to his wives because of the drinking. But then Cheryl Tangen came along. She was an artist who'd grown up in Reno And she said that two weeks after she met Larry, she knew she was in love. They met in 1988, just after Larry had gotten out of a rehab program and seemed to have his addictions under control. While he was with Cheryl, Larry was stable and sober and things were really good. Cheryl got him into things like meditation. Every morning they'd meditate and it seemed to really help him. She also got him into something called Ramtha's School of Enlightenment, something his friends said was a cult. But Cheryl Cheryl said that it was just people trying to center themselves. I'm getting some lizard human suit <laughs> vibes here. Well, Wikipedia calls it a New Age spiritual sect that was founded in 1988 by a woman named Jay-Z Knight, who claimed to channel a 35,000-year-old being called Ramtha the Enlightened One. That sounds like some Kanye shit. <laughs> It does. This was during the New Age movement of the late 80s when an emphasis was being put on viewing the body and mind holistically and looking into alternative medicines. It's when crystals got big, you know, all that kind of stuff. That was in the 80s? Yeah, apparently so. I didn't realize that until I researched Ramtha the Enlightened One. 
During this time with Cheryl, Larry said he was the happiest he'd ever been in his life. It all seemed to work for Larry. For a while. But it wasn't long before Larry started getting antsy, bored of this life. People that knew Larry speculate that he was always drawn to his dark side. In 1991, Larry decided he wanted to leave the organization slash cult and get back into law again. He was done with criminal defense, though, and he decided to open a personal injury law firm in Reno and go after insurance companies. He wanted to change his whole image. Most importantly, he wanted to be on TV. He knew if he started running ads, he'd make a lot of money. So he met That's with so an ad. funny. I always see those. I'm like, who calls these? <laughs> but I mean. People. Tons of people. So he met with an advertising manager and she got him with a hat on a horse. And the success was almost instant. The Marlboro Man was born. Not the original Marlboro Man. You know that. Right. That's the new taken. Marlboro Man <laughs> was born. People really connected with him, and these ads turned him into something of a local celebrity, like Mattress Mac, you know? I do now. <laughs> and when I say the success was almost instant, I mean suddenly Larry was pulling in $300,000 a month. Oh my goodness. I know. He started paying cash for houses and cars, and he started getting caught up with money and appearances. This just was not the Larry that Cheryl had fallen in love with. From the outside looking in, it seemed like Larry was living his best life. But in reality, his demons were taking hold of him again. A year later, things are going so well with Larry's practice that he decides to open up a satellite office in Las Vegas. Cheryl thought this was a terrible idea. She knew that there's no worse place for an alcoholic to be than in Vegas. <laughs> but yeah, that in New Orleans should not be on your list. No. But Larry was adamant. He said he could make twice the money there as he could in Reno. And I will never understand people making $300,000 a month and then they want to go work hard to make more money. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you even spend that kind of money? $300,000 a month? Larry tried to it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Larry tried really Here's hard the thing. to spend it. If I'm making $300,000 a month, I'm still maybe picking up some shifts at the Waffle House. <laughs> But that's only so that I don't spend 300000 You know, like, I'll just spend what I'm making, and then that'll just, like, accumulate. Sure. And then theory. you would need to work for, like, one year, and then you could quit forever for the rest of your life. Oh, yes. He started leasing a private jet to take him back and forth between Reno and Vegas. At this time, Larry's running a, a one-man shop. He's also trying to open a second office. He decides he needs someone to help run the office in Vegas, and he places an ad in the paper. In July of 1992, a woman named Elisa Ruddlesberger responded to the ad. Larry thought Elisa was incredible. She was 29, so 17 years younger than him. Oh, no. she, <laughs> she had a very charming and bubbly personality, a great smile. She was described as striking, and she carried herself very well. She came across as classy and very intelligent. Ugh. Tell as old as time. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> She told Larry that she was going through a divorce and she had a horse that she needed to take care of. And Larry had a big heart. He saw her as someone he could help. And she was clearly up to the task of getting his business up and running. So he hired her immediately. Within a week, Elisa was promoted to office manager. And before long, Larry was completely head over heels in love with Elisa. 
She moved into the apartment that he was renting in Vegas with her daughter, Haley. And Larry leased them matching black and white Jaguars. Oh. Meanwhile, Cheryl is none the wiser, still living in their house in Reno. Two months after meeting Elisa, Larry ended his seven-year relationship mm. with Cheryl and focused all of his attention on Elisa. After but two he months. was so happy with Cheryl, the happiest he's ever been. I know. He's not going to be very happy with Elisa. Trifling. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler. Friends and family of Larry weren't really sure what to think of Elisa. They thought she seemed cold, and they found it weird that she never seemed to want to talk about her background. And when she was asked about it, she'd tell different stories to different people, or she would just change the subject completely with the smoothness of a politician. It wasn't long before Elisa was managing the entire office, including the office finances and client trust accounts. Larry and Elisa were living the high life, flying in private jets everywhere, spending money. What? But then clients started calling about their checks bouncing. This was the money they were getting from the insurance companies. And from my understanding, as not a lawyer, the money from the insurance companies is put into a client trust account. And then the, uh, and that is the account that the clients are then paid through. The checks should not be bouncing out of there. So right. Larry hired a, a CPA. Some said that Larry hired a CPA to audit their books. Some said that the Nevada bar had started looking into him and they audited his books. Either way, this CPA discovered tens of thousands of dollars missing from the account. Some places say much higher, up to 250000 Anyways, either way, someone was stealing from him, and the only person it could be was Elisa. So we, we don't think it was him. 100%. No, it was not. He was not stealing from himself. Well, I mean, he wasn't stealing from them, the insurance no. company, and like no. He's making so much money. <laughs> he is making so much money. <laughs> he can't even spend the own, his own money. <laughs> Larry confronted Elisa about it, and she admitted that, yes, she'd taken it. She'd been writing checks for stuff for herself, and later she even bought a quarter horse with a check from the law firm. Which Why? For, for those like me, that she loves horses. And for those- Those little quarter horses, though. Well, for those that, uh, that are like me and not MoGab- Know, know anything about horses, uh, a quick Google search said that a quarter horse is a breed of horse that excels at sprinting short distances. And because I also Googled this, quarter horses are different from thoroughbreds, which are the horses that race at the Derby, which we talked yeah. about. <laughs> yes. I went to a quarter horse show in Ohio randomly once. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, maybe... Was it in 2001? Because uh, maybe you saw Larry and Elisa with their quarter horses. <laughs> no, definitely was not. Um, so obviously Larry had to fire Elisa. The Nevada Bar Association was now looking into him because of this embezzlement, and he had to save his practice. He was ordered to pay back the money plus the cost of any disciplinary actions, and you'd think that this whole mess would definitely be the end of any relationship. I'm hoping. Well, no. Instead, of Larry proposed, not. and on <gasps> January 6th, 1996, about five months after they'd met, what? and like one month after she stole all this money, they got married. Mm, what do you want me to say about that? <laughs> Look, this is something I don't think I'll ever understand. He was with Cheryl for seven years and called it the happiest yeah. years of his life, but they never got married. Him and Cheryl yeah. were never married. 
He meets Elisa and dumps Cheryl after knowing her for two months and then marries her a month after he finds out she's been stealing from him. But you don't know the pressure that each woman is applying, you know? But also, I feel like men really do. Again, we're Mm -hmm. not men haters. This is a blanket statement. But I do think the grass is green on the other side hits them harder. Like, they, like, believe that more than women most of the time. No one in Larry's life had any good answers as to why he would marry Elisa. Some think it's so that they have spousal privilege and they can never testify against each other in court. Yeah. Are you kidding? I will listen. I will rat your ass out so quick. (laughs) So quick. Are you kidding? Please. (laughs) Don't. We are entering into this union with the understanding (laughs) that I will rat your ass out so quick. So don't test me. Yeah, are you kidding? Like I'm trying to turn I'm trying to turn you in when you leave dirty clothes out. You think I'm going to bat for you? Oh my no. god. Okay, so unlike you, some people think that Elisa and Larry might have married for the spousal privilege about testifying. Others think it's because she allowed his demons to come out and play. She kept him plied with alcohol and drugs. His daughter, Kristen, thinks that Larry was excited by the darkness of the relationship and that he'd found a soulmate in a very dark way. What a, like, 180, because he was over here, like, getting enlightened and, like... Completely. I know. Larry's... And I think that's why people have kind of thought that that's the reason, because they can't think of any other reason why he would just leave this happy, stable relationship for... This very not happy, stable relationship. It's an identity crisis, you know? Like, honestly, like, not with the relationship, but just, like, what he's even... Well, and he's starting to, like, get into this high life of all this money that he didn't have when he was with Cheryl. You know, he wasn't even working, or he wasn't uh, practicing law for three of the years that they were together. Right. Was Cheryl getting any... Did Cheryl get any Jaguars or... No, and they weren't married, so she didn't get, like, anything. I mean, she's not worried about that. Like, she doesn't want it, but no. Just thinking, like. No, and if he bought her a Jaguar, she'd probably be like, a Camry is much more (laughs) (laughs) reliable. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Larry's loved ones felt like Elisa was isolating him from them. His drinking and drug use had reached a new state. He wasn't enjoyable. He wasn't charismatic. He became very paranoid that people were out to get him. So, no, it's not a secret, his drug use and stuff. Like, no. from his family. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, people know. I don't know if they know how much, like, what. I don't know if they know the details of his drug use. They right. know he's drinking heavily. And I don't know if they know the details because they never gave them to me. I don't know what they were. I'm assuming cocaine, but... He became very paranoid that people were out to get him, and his relationship with Elisa became extremely destructive. Like, how much can I hurt you? This back and forth, push and pull type of deal. His friends and family say that Elisa enabled the worst part of him and helped him embrace his dark side, and that a part of him seemed to enjoy that. Haley, Elisa's daughter, she was around eight or nine, I think, at this time, and she said that the relationship was so toxic. She said she once heard Larry tell Elisa, I'm going to kill Haley in front of you, and I'm going to tell them that you did it. Oh, no. 
Haley said that Elisa tried to leave several times, but that Larry tracked her down each time and said if she didn't agree to live with him, he'd kill both of them and himself. One time, Haley said that Larry grabbed her by the throat and squeezed so hard she was terrified. Larry's kids, on the other hand, are adamant that they do not believe that Larry was physically abusive at all. But from what all his friends and employees say, it seemed that this time of his life, he'd sunk to new lows. And I'm not sure how much his kids were around him at this time. His son Joe says that Elisa kept him isolated from his dad, and he hardly ever got to talk to him. But that once, Larry had made a comment to him about Elisa being a compulsive liar. But no kid is going to like, I don't know. I think at this point, the kids, I think at this point, Larry's kids are older. I don't know if they're adults. I think Kristen might be. Kristen's the oldest. And she might be an adult by – yeah, no, she is definitely an adult at this time. I'm not sure how old Tavia and Joe are. I think they might be adults as well. So they're not like little kids. And it was Joe's opinion that his dad was afraid of Elisa, and he'd said something like, I can never leave her. After the whole embezzlement debacle, Larry decided to close his offices in Nevada, and he, Elisa, and Haley moved to Sacramento to start over since Larry was also licensed to practice law in California. And Larry once again hired Elisa to work for him, because it's not the California State Bar that's after them. And I don't know why. Yeah, what is he doing? Yeah, she handled legal matters like she was also an attorney. And again, because they're in California now and not Nevada, she could once again be in charge of his trust account. This seems like obvious bad news bears, but for whatever reason, Larry let her do it. Just like in Reno and Vegas, he had no problem bringing in clients and raking in the money, but he and Elisa were also very, very good at spending it. Elisa convinced Larry to get involved in horse culture, and he oh. was really, yeah, he was really excited Let me tell about you it. the money around that. <laughs> yeah. And he felt like it suited his brand as the Marlboro Man perfectly. They bought a couple of quarter horses, and it wasn't long before Larry was very into the halter and quarter horse scene. And halter is basically a a beauty pageant, but for horses. Larry was absolutely loving this life with the horses, and he was winning competition after competition. He quickly became a star on the quarter horse circuit, leading the nation in his division. He had a great eye for the best horses, and he had a great trainer. And he also loved the limelight. Larry, I cannot figure you out, my man. <laughs> I, I know. Larry, like, he's a- lived nine lives <laughs> already. I mean, for real. For real. We got horse shows. We got cults. We got We law. got crystals. Yeah. <laughs> Cocaine. Larry and Elisa seemed remarkably happy during this time. They got further and further into horse culture, traveled all over the country with their horse all while Larry is trying to run a successful law firm. In 2000, he and Elisa decided that they needed more help around the office if they were going to be gone so much showing horses, not to mention the fact that Larry still had issues with his drinking and would just not go into work sometimes. And this is when Sarah Dutra entered their lives. Sarah Dutra was an art student from Sacramento State University She'd been the class president of her senior class at Vacaville High School, just outside of Sacramento. She was 20 years old, she was tall and blonde, and she was very well-poised and very smart. 
It seems like Elisa might have seen herself in Sarah. And even though Elisa was 10 years older, they hit it off right from the start. Sarah had zero legal experience, but still Elisa offered to pay her a very nice starting salary and give her a car if she took the job. Obviously, Sarah took the job, and right from the start, she and Elisa became very close. Like, very, very, very close. They were inseparable besties. Elisa would take Sarah on expensive shopping sprees, on Larry's dime, of course. Of course. They'd buy matching designer outfits, they'd wear each other's clothes, they'd sleep in the same bed together. Which people kept bringing up, hinting like maybe there's more to this friendship. Maybe it's romantic in some way. They've both denied that it's ever been anything romantic. And I sleep in the same bed sometimes with my friends. Like, But either way, whether there is something more to read into this or not, their relationship definitely became very symbiotic, very codependent. Right. Every time I hear this story... I always wonder if Elisa knew Sarah somehow previously, like they'd met when she was out in Sacramento somewhere and they'd come up with this scheme to get her this job together. It's just crazy to me that someone could apply for this job and then bam, they're just suddenly so close. No, I disagree. I I mean, I had the same experience. Like you meet someone and you're like, this is my kindred soul. You yeah, know? I guess that's true. And I guess the same thing happened with Elisa and Larry, you know. People did say that she was very good at pulling people into her, you know, and people say that Sarah and Elisa definitely thought they were always the smartest and the prettiest in the room. Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) I understand all of it. Just kidding. I'm trying to take out the trash, though. So like us, just like us when we go out. (laughs) Elisa's daughter Haley is 15 by this time, and she became really resentful of Sarah, who's five years older than her. She didn't understand why her mom was spending all this time with this girl who's just a few years older. She'd ask her mom and she'd say, oh, we're just having fun, spending time together. And Haley would be like, can you spend time with me like that? Yeah. Larry also did not like this at all. He was getting real sick of Sarah being constantly around. Wherever his wife was, there too was Sarah. They were spending all their time together and Larry hated it. I mean, that is like unhealthy. Yeah, for sure. But Elisa did not care at all. Larry told Elisa to fire Sarah, but she did not. She continued to isolate Larry from his family. She brought Sarah in closer and Larry's business began to suffer because of it. You could find Larry sometimes on the horse circuit, sometimes on the golf course, sometimes drinking, but rarely was he in his office. Was he ever in court? (laughs) that's what i'm still trying to figure out maybe sometimes in court as larry became more and more disengaged with his practice elisa's role at the office got stronger and stronger larry continued to drink more do more drugs and elisa assured him that she'd keep the office together elisa is thriving she's maxing out larry's credit cards to the tune of about one hundred and forty thousand dollars she's embezzling funds from the law firm She's spending his money with Sarah almost as fast as she could steal it, while Larry is just hitting rock bottom. I need to quit listening to these stories because we just finished the, just before we start recording, the Anna Delvey series. Oh, did you? And I'm like, you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, 140000 I'm like, gosh, I could really like 
use $140,000 right now. I'm getting the fancy pedicure, you know? <laughs> Not the in between. Like, I could spring for the $60 foot scrub, yeah. you know? Get you that hot stones and the paraffin yeah. wax. Oh my God, hot stones. <laughs> don't, get, don't get too crazy. <laughs> Elisa and Sarah were having so much fun with their hot stone pedicures and paraffin oh wax. I, they are, and I know <laughs> they it. Definitely Let me are. tell you what their day looks like. <laughs> they're going to Starbucks and they're getting a Trenta. They're getting a $60 pedicure. <laughs> then they're going, and, and it's gel, okay? They're getting a gel pedicure, uh-huh. okay? <laughs> then they're getting lash extensions. Oh, for sure. Right sure. after their right after their chemical peels. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they're waking up and doing bottomless mimosa brunch. <laughs> yes. Every time. Yeah. And so they're having so much fun doing all of that God, that they I decided they needed to hire another person to answer the phones at the office because Sarah's not yeah, around well, to busy. do it. Yeah. <laughs> they're busy. They're super busy. So they hire a woman named Ginger Miller, who seemed perfect for the job. Like Sarah and Elisa, she's young and attractive. Ginger said Elisa was very bubbly and sweet, everything you like in a person, and Ginger loved Elisa from the first time she met her. Elisa hired Ginger right away and scheduled her to start a week later. In the meantime, Elisa and Larry traveled to City of Industry in Southern California with their horse Just a Lot of Page to compete in the Pacific Quarter Horse Classic. Joining them was their horse trainer, Greg Whalen, and Greg's adult daughter, Debbie Kale. Debbie noticed as they left Sacramento that Elisa and Larry seemed to be really agitated with each other. When Debbie asked Elisa what was wrong, Elisa said she was getting tired of taking care of Larry and picking up after him. Over the next few days in City of Industry, Debbie noticed that Larry didn't seem like his usual self. He usually loved the limelight at these horse shows, and he's so charming and charismatic. But he just didn't really seem up to the task. At one point, Debbie had to ask him to change his clothes because he wasn't dressed appropriately for the horse show. Two days into the show, Sarah showed up in her new BMW, and it basically became the Elisa and Sarah show. When they were together, Larry was pretty much the third wheel. Larry hated when Sarah was around, and to make matters worse, they weren't expecting her, and the hotel had no extra rooms. So Sarah had to crash in their room. The next day was September 9th. Greg Whalen was used to seeing Larry with a glass of white wine in his hand, usually Chardonnay. And that day, witnesses saw Larry kill an entire bottle of vodka during one golf game. But he still didn't think that that was enough to explain his odd behavior that day. A whole bottle of vodka? A whole bottle of vodka during one golf game. (laughs) It's not enough to explain his behavior. No. He kept calling Sarah Blanche for one, and (laughs) Debbie said she thought he looked disoriented while he showed his horse. Okay, that's just a dude being a dude out of golf. (laughs) That night, the whole gang went to the Olive Garden for dinner, and Larry seemed wasted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I just feel like we're calling people Blanche. (laughs) We're wealthy, and we're at the Olive Garden. (laughs) Like, that's the weirdest (laughs) shit he's done the whole episode. (laughs) She's the Olive Garden, I agree. (laughs) When's the last time you were in Olive Garden? Oh, God. I can remember. Mine was like eighth grade banquet dinner before we went. I go for their 
salads. Their bottom is salads and their breadsticks are so good. I mean, I have no idea. I can't remember. I don't know anything about that place. Go run to the – you run yourself to the Olive Garden, get their bottomless salad and their breadsticks, and you tell me you're not a happy-ass camper. Someone did tell me they have good sangria. Listen, if an Olive Garden gift card shows up in the <laughs> True Crime Creepers P.O. box, I will go. But other than that, catch me at your local Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> Tensions at this dinner were really high between Larry and Sarah <laughs> that night. At the Olive Garden? <laughs> at the Olive Garden. Is it because yeah. they're there? Because <laughs> Sarah was like, Larry, why did you pick such a lame-ass <laughs> restaurant? And- Larry, why aren't we eating the Mariah menu at McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> or why aren't we at Waffle House with a possum and Dolly Parton? <laughs> yeah, any of that. Everyone could feel the high tensions. At one point, Larry called Sarah a bitch. No one could remember exactly what was said beforehand that led to him calling her that. But after that, Sarah said, F you, Larry, held up her middle finger at him, at her boss. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to really (laughs) write it in. So now Larry's mad at Sarah. Elisa is mad at Larry for being mad at Sarah. So now Elisa and Larry are fighting about Sarah. The dinner became extremely awkward. Sarah left in the middle of it to drive back to Sacramento, and Larry decided to leave the table and went up to his room to pass out. Wait, the dinner was in the hotel? So, I don't know. I know it was at an Olive Garden, and then I know he left and went to his room. So, I've kind of always pictured it at his hotel, but... I don't know. Let's see if there's an Olive Garden (laughs) in City of Industry attached to... Yeah, hotel. I've never seen that set up. Yeah. I'm going to look up, while you're doing that, I'm looking up the Olive Garden menu, and I'm going to see what I would order. I I mean, I think I want to try Olive Garden. What's around you? What's this right here? Are you a hotel? Well, they have a gluten-free menu. Dude, they have something called the Tour of Italy. That's a Red Lobster. Yeah, they do. The Tour of Italy. I know they do. Red Lobster. No, I'm looking for a hotel nearby. (laughs) There doesn't seem to be one. This is great content. There is, does not appear to be a hotel within walking distance of the Olive Garden. Somehow he got back to the hotel and passed out. All right. I don't know. Okay. I think this is what I would order, potentially. Okay. Oh, okay. Do you get breadsticks? How? Yeah. You get. Are they good? You. Mo Gab. What? I mean, are they're they just the like best plain? breadsticks of all time. That is bullshit. You know, Little Caesars has the best breadsticks. Olive Garden, but they got to be warm. Okay, I would potentially get lasagna. Okay, or I would try these cheese raviolis. Oh, the cheese raviolis are good. And I would see about the sangria here on the menu. Obviously, Look, Olive Garden is not going to be the best Italian food you've ever had in your life. But oh shit, they got tiramisu. Italian. Let's go. Okay, all right. Let's go to Olive Garden. Next time you're here. Warm Italian donuts. Mocha's gonna be really excited Olive Garden. about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Somehow he got from the Olive Garden to the hotel, passed out. The next day was September 10th, 2001. It was an off day for the horse show, so everyone just kind of hung around. Larry and Greg talked about the whole mess from the night before, and Larry told him that he did not want Sarah coming around anymore. Greg asked why. She's Elisa's best friend. And Larry told him that he told Elisa to fire Sarah. But like, Larry, it's your name on the door. Like, why don't you fire Sarah? Yeah. 
But it seemed like this day Larry had calmed down some. I think he was happy that Sarah was gone. He definitely seemed more upbeat. That afternoon, Larry opened an ice chest in the back of his red truck that had Chardonnay in it and started pouring everyone a glass of Chardonnay. They talked about where they all might go have dinner that night, but Larry said he'd pass on dinner. He just wanted to go take a nap. No, I'm going to need follow up on what then was the next dinner if Olive Garden was night one. Soup. It was that they were at the hotel restaurant. Uh, And that would be the last time Greg would ever see Larry. That afternoon, talking about dinner. Mm -hmm. Around 6.30, Greg, Debbie, which is his daughter, and Elisa were all down at the hotel restaurant together. Elisa called Larry and asked if he wanted to join them, and Larry said no. And Greg said that he could hear Larry on the phone ask her to bring him more wine. About 20 minutes later, Elisa left the restaurant with a bottle of Chardonnay and some soup to take up to the room for Larry. The next day was September 11th, 2001. Everyone was so distracted by the news of the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center that no one noticed Larry leave the hotel. Debbie did see Elisa, and she was shocked to see that Sarah was back at the hotel. Oh, I thought she, like, left left. She had left left, but apparently Elisa had called her and told her to come back, and she'd taken one of the last flights out before the attacks, which, of course, grounded all flights for several days after. Right. Debbie said that morning she was in the hotel room with her dad watching the news about the attacks when Elisa came in with Sarah. Debbie asked them where Larry was, and Elisa told her that he'd left in the middle of the night to go to Florida to join a cult. What? This wasn't unusual to people, because he'd done it before, you know, back when he was a part of that Rantha cult. But but do you say it like that? Like, do you know that you're right? Oh, he, like, he left in the middle of the night to go to Florida to join a cult. Yeah. Like, I'm know. going to join a baseball team. Like, that feels <laughs> different. Like, I'm going to go apply to be in a cult. Right. But do you apply? Do you think cults have an application <laughs> process? Is there like an if interview? If I had a cult, it would be very extensive. <laughs> very, I'm not letting and very exclusive cults. Yeah. Any ragtag in. Yeah, you already know. <laughs> but Debbie looked at the TV, which was announcing that all flights were grounded and had been grounded since 6 o'clock that morning and asked how Larry was supposed to get 6 o'clock California time. Because they're three. Oh, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they're three okay. hours earlier than... Oh, so I never thought about it being so early other places. Yeah, I didn't didn't either until I was like, how did they know at 6? The first plane didn't crash until like 8.30. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, right, because they're three hours ahead. So they'd been grounded since 6 o'clock that morning, West Coast time. And Debbie asked how Larry was supposed to get to Florida. And Elisa shrugged and said she wasn't sure, but she guessed Larry had taken one of the last flights out. And Debbie was thinking maybe he drove to Florida. But then Debbie saw Elisa and Sarah loading stuff into Larry's red truck. And she was like, well, if Larry's truck is there, he's definitely not driving to Florida. It seemed really odd to her. But with the chaos and the confusion of that day, she kind of just let it go. Back in Sacramento, Ginger Miller had started working for Larry's law firm. She loved working with Elisa and Sarah at first. She really wanted to be one of the girls, you know. They all started out as gal pals. They'd go out together, go shopping. Elisa would call them Charlie's Angels and say that she was Charlie. I knew it. I knew it was coming. (laughs) Just had to get a third one. Why doesn't Larry hire a a gentleman? Well, he hired Elisa. He's like worried about all the gal paling. Well, he hired Elisa and Elisa is now doing all the hiring. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know why he's not putting his foot down more on on 
some of these choices. But but as the days passed, Ginger started wondering if she was ever actually going to meet the man whose name is on the door. And she started getting conflicting information about where he actually was. Elisa told Ginger that Larry was golfing up north and then told her that he was at an alcohol rehab center in Oregon, then said he'd run away from that rehab center for a 12-month program so he really wouldn't be back for a while. But then sometimes Elisa would say that Larry had just popped in and Ginger had just missed him. Hmm. Ginger started noticing a lot of suspicious activity. She would see both Sarah and Elisa forging Larry's signature, spending Larry's money. Elisa would sometimes write checks made out to Ginger and then have Ginger cash them and bring her the cash. And that would be like Elisa and Sarah's spending money. Elisa and Sarah decided to buy a new red Jaguar and Ginger would see them come in every day with gorgeous new clothes, shoes, accessories, jewelry, with the missing Larry footing the bill for all of it. God, that's so weird. I know. They were giving so many different excuses to clients for the missing Larry. Rehab was the big one, but they would also tell people he was doing yoga or he was at a retreat. He'd joined a cult. Sometimes they called it a hippie commune. They told people he was in Costa Rica. So, but if people are calling like brand new clients, like I want him to represent me, and then they're like, oh, sorry, he joined a cult. Like, <laughs> is that what they're doing? No, I like, think they're the telling, I don't think they're telling brand new clients. I think they're telling existing clients like, sorry, he joined a cult, so you can't speak to him right now. I would demand a refund. <laughs> The wire transfers on the way. (laughs) The amount of times, especially yesterday, I'm like in line or like trying to get something. I just turned to Russell. Where is the money? (laughs) Just like put my hand out. Where is the money? (laughs) Why do you look poor? (laughs) Why do you look poor? Ginger also got a really confusing phone call. An angry woman from a medical supply company in LA called to speak to Larry or Elisa. When Ginger told her that they weren't available, the woman became really rude and told Ginger that Elisa had rented a wheelchair from them while they'd been in Southern California and they'd never returned it. The woman demanded a $350 deposit immediately. Hmm. No one ever returned this angry lady's phone call. Elisa could sense that Ginger was becoming suspicious, and so she finally decided to tell Ginger what was really going on. Ginger came back from lunch one day to see Elisa weeping as if she'd lost a child, in Ginger's words. Elisa told her that her marriage to Larry was horrible, that he was an alcoholic, and that being with an old man and touching his loose skin made her sick. She said she was just trying to keep his business afloat while he was in rehab. Larry's family was becoming very concerned about him. It wasn't unusual for Larry to disappear for a few days or a week or two at a time. But after a couple weeks went by, his kids especially started to worry. Like I said earlier, I'm not entirely sure how old his kids are, but by 2001, I'm almost certain they're all adults now. His son, Joe, started calling Elisa all the time. His daughter, Tavia, was really worried after Elisa told her that Larry was just hiding out because he was feeling depressed about his upcoming birthday. Tavia said that didn't sound like Larry at all, and it made her feel like Elisa was lying. She thought maybe they'd separated or things had gotten so bad that he'd left. But where is he? Two months after Larry was last seen, with nary a glance to be had, Ginger had had enough. 
She was constantly being told by Elisa to lie to clients about where Larry was. She was switching money from three different accounts owned by Larry McNabney and Associates to a horse training company account owned by Elisa. And she'd had enough of the constant lying and deception. She knew that all of Elisa's stories about Larry's whereabouts were total lies. And the more she thought about it, the more she realized that something really bad was going on here. Get out of there, Ginger. Yes. And then Elisa got something in the mail that made her throw a complete hissy fit. Larry's license to practice law had expired. And Elisa was freaking out. She started throwing books, ripping up files, dumping drawers, all the while spewing cuss words, screaming about how they were done. She's screaming about how they don't have Larry and no Larry means no license. And over and over, just screaming, we are done. We have no money. Ginger and Sarah were just standing there watching her silently. They had no idea what else to do. And that was the moment Ginger realized Larry was gone. By this time, it had been almost three months since she'd been hired, and Larry had never shown up to his office, all while Elisa and Sarah had been spending all his money. Yeah, he gone. Ginger knew what she needed to do, what she'd needed to do all along. So on November 30th, 2001, she went to the police. She walked into the station, and she was really nervous. And she said at the window that they handed her a piece of paper, and on the piece of paper, she wrote, My boss is missing. I'm pretty sure he's dead. And I think his wife and the secretary had something to do with it. (sighs) And that is where we're going to end part one of the murder of Larry McNabney. Wow. Again, if you want part two right away, it is there ready for you on our Patreon. Otherwise, this will be our episode for next week. Will be part two of the murder of Larry McNabney. All right. Do we have any shout outs? It is time to shout out the people. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for signing up. Thanks for following the rules. Sorry I titled that, but that's very on brand for me. (laughs) So the first rule follower is Charlie. They did not Charlie phonetic spelling. So it could be Charlie. It could be Charlie. No, it, well, it's Charlie. I think if it was Charlie, they would have. They would have specified char, not char. Okay, well, there's no phonetic, so I'm just guessing. (laughs) Thank you so much to our next patron, Nikki Hummel. Nikki, Nick, Nikki Hummel. (laughs) That's amazing. Thanks, Nikki. Okay, next, Lindsay with an I-E, girl, because you're trendy like that. Trendy Lindsay. Trendy Trendy Lindsay. Trendy Lindsay. Thank you so much. I love that spelling. Me too. I had a friend in uh, junior high whose name was Lindsay, and she decided that she was going to be trendy, and she started spelling her name with a Z just on her papers. And in like our journals, we had like a journal that would go back and forth, you know, a notes journal. Uh, Yes, I do know. Obviously, and she would sign it all L-I-N-Z-E-Y, I think. (laughs) Did I, I think you know this about me, but in sixth grade, I decided because you know, six, our sixth grade campus was just sixth grade only. So you went mm. like it was only a sixth grade campus. Okay. So that's when you really reinvented yourself. You've graduated elementary school, right. you're going, you know, mm-hmm. but you're just, it's just sixth grade. So I went by my middle name all of sixth grade. I feel like you knew that about me. And then I immediately I reverted <laughs> back because I could not answer to it. I would <laughs> never answer to it. So, oh, that's hilarious. 
All right. Next up, thank you so much to Madison Rhodes. Madison Rhodes. You're the best, Madison. Uh, you, you, you the best. You, 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 okay, you the best. This one, I'd love to see you both try. Oh, wait. Okay. I didn't, shouldn't read uh, Phaedra? That's what I was going to say. Phaedra. And Phaedra Hart. And it's Phaedra. right. <laughs> uh, it's not Phaedra Hart. Okay. It's Phaedra Le- greater than three. Three. <laughs> I almost said less than. I forgot my little alligator mouth. (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for being here, even though Kristen hoodwinked you into a part two. (laughs) Coming at you live. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to support the podcast on social media, you can find us on Facebook. We have a great group to join, True Crime Creepers Discussion Group. You can find us on Instagram at CreepersPod and on Twitter occasionally at CreepersPod. I'm getting there. (laughs) You can email us at CreepersPod at gmail.com and make sure you subscribe so that you know exactly when part two of The Murder of Larry McNabney will drop. Bye, peeps and creeps. Bye.